Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the 32nd episode of The First Exchange with me, your host, Lydia Daydal. Uh, before we get into tonight's guest, uh, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who reached out last week uh, for PJ Gallagher's uh, podcast. Um, the response has been absolutely brilliant and hilarious at all. I'm laughing at all your uh, your comments and DMs and stuff that you sent since then. Um, my favourite one was someone who, who messaged me to say that they got asked to leave uh, their office space because they were laughing so much by their boss. Um, but if you haven't yet listened to uh, episode 31 with PJ Gallagher, go back. Uh, I think it's a, a, so obvious why he is as successful as he is he was absolutely hilarious and also a massive apology to Tommy Tiernan because uh, we we cut the little edit uh, of the Tommy Tiernan uh, Guinness ad escapade or escapade and um, I think it got sent to him (laughs) so I hope he'll still come on this show um, and I now know that it wasn't actually Tommy Tiernan in the Guinness ad Um, but without further ado let's get on to episode 32 um, of the first exchange and I was joined by professional mixed martial artist Paul Redmond Uh, currently fighting on Bellator he's fought for all the major uh, MMA organizations that you can think of Bama, KSW, Cage Warriors the UFC, Bellator, uh, the list goes on. I think he's the only Irish fighter um, that's fought on all of them. Um, so it was really great to get him in. I've known Paul for a long time. Um, I've interviewed him lots of times for Fight Connect TV. Um, and he's just one of those uh, people and fighters that you know um, has such a great story, so interesting, and is so down to earth and humble. Um, really is a pleasure uh, to speak to him every time. So he was in just to talk about his journey, um, obviously um, the latest results at his last fight on Bellator. Um, we spoke about his relationship with his coach Andy Ryan, family, uh, how he got started, you know, and we had a, a few laughs in between. So before I let you listen to the, the 30 second episode, just a real quick, um, obviously we're talking about uh, how many of you have been so supportive of the podcast with the DMs and sharing and passing on the episodes and telling us which ones you like and which ones are your favourite. We really do want to continue to not only uh, do the podcast, but also to grow it and to um, expand. We've got so many ideas that we want to, to um, uh, approach this year, one of them being live shows. Um, there's a big demand for live shows, um, uh, live uh, episodes um, with really, you know, exciting guests and, and we really have great plans that we want to come together. So we've set up a Patreon um, and if you like what we do, if you enjoy the episodes, if you want to see more, if you want to see the first exchange grow and if I was sat in a pub with you and you would buy me a pint, then please donate the price of a pint to our Patreon, anything at all so that we can continue um, to grow. 
um, this podcast into something really, really special because um, we really, truly believe in the, the work that we're doing um, with this. And I think that you guys really do enjoy it. So what better way to show us that you enjoy it by helping us continue and donating to our Patreon. So all links will be on our social media. Uh, so please click it. And I have enough talking done now. So I'm going to leave you with the 32nd episode of The First Exchange with MMA professional fighter Paul Redmond episode 32 Paul Redmond how are you good good thank you very much for coming in yeah no problem well let's get to first things first how are we feeling two weeks post Bellator yeah be shy um it was a bit more shy last week and then a bit more shy the night it happened but uh yeah it's easy now a little bit now just uh it's just one of those things Mm-hmm. That's MMA. If that's MMA. What has the feedback been like? Have people been reaching out to you? I've been just talking to some of the guys in the gym and um, obviously Andy and stuff. And uh, we've been sort of, well, myself and Andy sat down and um, we were just saying, like, you know, that that's, that wasn't a, a red type performance out there. It was, it's not something like um, the first round went okay. I, I, moments in it that was pretty good like they uh, caught a big throw in the, in the first round and um, uh, some combinations were getting off some weren't um, I let him kick me in the calf he was he was throwing some calf kicks my legs still haunt me now from them you know um, mm. which he caught me with which I should have been sort of checking um, and then the second round then it was sort of over fairly quick but we noticed that um, after watching the fight um, Andy noticed I didn't, obviously, at the time. So Andy had said it to me after. He said, look, when you came in off the first round, even though he probably had won that round, he said, we couldn't... We were talking to you in the cage, like, on the steel, and we couldn't get, like, a conversation out of you. We couldn't get feedback from you. He said, you were just... Andy, we were saying, you were just saying, yeah, 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 but no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And I jumped back up to my feet really quick, whereas um usually I would be taking instructions, give, asking a question back, you know, will I do the same? Will I go for the takedown? Will I, you know, and there was none of that. And he said, I didn't look right in the end of the first round. He said, I looked very drawn and, and stuff. And we we were racking our brains then, you know, why is that? Because I don't, I don't get tired on fights. Mm. That's not me, you know. I'm, a lot of my fights, I'm laughing going into the third round because, I know they're gone. I, mm. d- I know they haven't got the stamina for, like like me. And then we just put just piece stuff together. You know why the performance probably went like that. You know I'm back sort of working, um, a minimum of say forty hours a week. Um, then you add in two hours travel on top of all that. Mm. Uh, our 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 back. That's fifty hours a week. Um, now we did cut it down to three days a week. So even say you're you're, you're doing thirty hours on the building site. Then I was doing a night's work with DJing as well, which is probably another five or six hours. Then, again, you're not getting home for like three, three in the morning mm. on a Saturday, and probably not resting, it'll be up, um, doing whatever uh, on a Sunday. And then, obviously, the last couple of weeks, then you'd get up and you'd go for a run. And then, add in, so you're doing 30 hours on the building, so you're probably doing another between six or seven hours um, DJing at the weekend. That's... 40 hours mm. then I in about all your hours training in every week then on top of that then we were adding in extra cardio sessions I was doing some stuff with uh, body track with Danny over there um, but I was coming from the building site 
afternoon, eight, nine, ten hours, whatever. I was going straight to Danny, doing another hour of fitness. Like just sprints, uh, road walk, all that type of stuff. And then going straight to the gym mm. and doing two hours there of sparring and MMA and Ogi and Jiu-Jitsu. And for eight weeks, I was I was exhausted. Now when I say I, it I, I, I was exhausted, and I, I just thought, I just you know just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. And that's sort of it. Uh, I, this isn't me making excuses for fights or mm. I, I don't do that. Um, the guy um, George Kakanyan, he took the fight on three or four weeks' notice. He stepped up a weight division. So there's no complaint on, mm. you know, how the fight went down. Just me, that from an outside perspective, when we sat back and we looked at it, I, that's probably the reason why I was tired going into the second round. If he had me, if he had hit me with the same shot, and I, uh, if I hadn't been tired, I probably would have went out as well, or I probably, you know. So it's just one of those things. It was just it's an outside observation from us looking in after a uh, post fight. Mm-hmm. That's our sort of uh, that's our analysis on it. Is it tough to, um, in hindsight, to look back on that analogy or that circumstance and kind of say, you know, the work, the hard training, these are all just facets of life that you had to do, you know, that, that that has to be done in order for you to live the way you need to live or whatever it is, or to train or to get your fitness up or whatever it is. They all come together and they were meant to bring you to a certain point in the fight to get you the win. Yeah. And now you're looking back on it and you kind of go, right, well, it didn't work. Like, do you have to just put that into a box and just move it along? Like, no, would yeah, it eat uh, you up if you if, if you have to sit there and go? I think, I think the more, if, if you keep dwelling on it, I, I mean, I think if you look at what um, we took from it, we took, right, obviously all that amount you're doing isn't working. Mm can't be done and he was saying to me where are you resting in them days I was doing three sessions on a Monday I was doing a run or weights gym uh, nogi or jiu-jitsu or whatever then MMA in the evenings then I'd be I'd finish at 9pm I'd be back up at 6pm the next day and that's finishing in the gym at 9pm then you gotta go home make all your cut and weigh food have a shower settle into bed or whatever. So I'm, not, I'm not sleeping till mm. 12 o'clock at night I'm getting up at 6 and 1 the next day mm. so I think I was averaging about six hours sleep a night. Um, that's not good for an athlete. Mm. You need eight, maybe ten hours. When I was doing most of my other fights, I was doing my first training session in the morning. I'd have nothing on the rest of the day. Go home and sleep for two hours. Mm. I'd get up, I'd eat, go train again in the evenings, come home, chill out, sleep for eight, maybe ten hours. Mm. A lot of rest, and the results were evident. So just... I think if you can if you can analyze where where you've went wrong or or what what we can do better, mm-hmm. I think if you can take a positive from that onto our next week, great. Then then you stop dwelling on it. Then it only becomes dwelling on it if you don't take anything from it. Mm. If you just sit there and say, "Oh, we lost. Oh, we could have done this. We could have done that." Right, so so what? Mm-hmm. You lost. Big deal. Take your take your points from it. Move on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're going to do for the next one, you know. Um, maybe not the DJing on the head. Maybe do, uh, maybe take four weeks off instead of a week off at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, get really some training in, um, that type of stuff. So we'll 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 figure it out for the next one. We'll mm-hmm. be better. We'll be better prepared. You know, it's no one, it's no one's fault. You only realise this in hindsight. You mm-hmm. know, so. 
And it is all learning, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a learning it's a learning journey. Yeah, I think. Um, but I think um, myself, I, I should have known a little bit more. I'm used to doing. I think that was my twenty fourth, twenty maybe twenty fifth pro fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not getting any younger, but I, kn- I know these. I know these things. I know the way my body works. It's getting a little bit harder to cut away. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of I've got to do it maybe three or four weeks now. I've got to do a full camp instead of being able to make weight on three weeks. I got to do it for eight weeks. Mm. Um, I've recognised this the last maybe year or two, which has slowed up a little bit. Um, along with that, and then along with knowing where my fitness levels is and my strength levels is, and um, I probably should have recognised it a little bit sooner. Um, but look, it is what it is. Like you said, we all got to walk. We all got to sort of make a few quid somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just a le- I, sh- I should be gone past the learning curve for that now. Um, but we'll, we'll, like we said, we'll take a point and we move on mm-hmm. to the next one. And is the next one? Are we are we confirmed with Bellator? Will it be the next Bellator? Are you able to um, say? Or? No, I've no no um of nothing signed at the minute. Like I'm still on the contract with Bellator, mm-hmm. so it will be Bellator. I've got two more fights on my contract, um. So maybe middle of the summer, maybe I know they're definitely back here in October. I think uh, I don't know what date they're here. They're definitely back here in October. I don't know what date. Um, but maybe if we got one in before that, and mm-hmm. then doing it again in October, keep active then this year, um, and then just like I said, just uh, manage things a little bit better. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to this fight as well, it seems to, always in the lead up to you fighting on Bellator in the three arena, there's always a call for, bump him up, he should be main event, co-main event. Yeah. Like, in terms of, you know, what you've, the graph that you've put in, the the kind of, I suppose, the heritage of your career, in terms of, you know, fighting for the UFC, fighting for Bama, Cage Warriors title, like all the major promotions that have been out there, can you see or understand why people will be calling for something like that? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, um, a lot of fights for on all the sort of major promotions mm. um, out there. Um, people like seeing me fight, they like the style of fight that I do. But the thing is, um, I'm not a big, I won't be a big social media guy in terms of mm-hmm. pushing myself in, that I, I don't put up a lot of stuff on me on social media, like I'm not on the thing every single day. Yeah. You know, you might get one post down here, one post down there, and it might be from MMA, it might be my nieces or my dog or, me, mm-hmm. or, or something to do with DJing, mm-hmm. and fighting might only come up a couple of times a year, and so... That's my own. That's probably my own fault. So, on one hand, I see where the fans and media members are pushing it. Then I also then see why maybe I'm not being pushed mm-hmm. for the main card. So, um, yeah, that's that's why I think maybe I haven't been on. But I know people are seeing me fight. So, and I'm fighting good top level guys mm-hmm. out there like that guy George. He was a World Series fighting champion. Uh, twice over he's fought everyone in, like, all the big names in Bellator uh, okay he got dro- he got dropped in a, I think it was 8 or 9 seconds by AJ McKee but that's a, that's a flash knockout mm. nobody gets out from that AJ doesn't even get out from that yeah. you know that's bigger guy bigger range of guy through the right shot at the right time bang ping him mm-hmm. and he's out so well, George can't even take too much from that it's, you know it's just one of those that's one, just one of those quick knockouts Um so, but it doesn't mean he's any less of a fighter. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a fantastic fighter, you know, and he's got a record to build. So, um, yeah, that 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 fight I think should have been on my card just on experience level alone. But then, like I said, maybe I need to push myself a little bit more on social mm-hmm. media. There is an argument though there that you know, 
with the the budget, the marketing budget that Bellator have, they could, you know, make a frog main event yeah. <laughs> and it would sell out. You know what I mean? Like I think once you have the 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 once you're a good fighter and you're a fighter that people can get behind and there's something that people can get behind, I think arguably anyone could be main events. You know, if there was enough of um, a campaign put there. Well, we have to take it from a business point of view from Bellator. Um, they want somebody that's uh, on, on social media all the time. They're uh, out there in the public. They're pushing mm-hmm. themselves. They're, pushing, they're doing this, they're doing that. I get that. Which is exhausting in itself. Yeah, I get that as you well. Know? That's why I don't like doing it. Mm. Um, Andy's, Andy's forever giving out to me. You should be pushing yourself a bit yeah. more here. You should be pushing yourself on, on, online a little bit more like that. And I'm just like, Andy, I just want to fight. And then, then it's just, well, then don't complain about not being on a main card or mm-hmm. whatever. So I don't. I just, I just do I just do me then, you know? Mm-hmm. But like I said, it's, on, it's probably no one else's fault. I, I probably should push myself a little bit more mm-hmm. to, be, uh, to, to, to be out there. Um, so that's why I don't give out about it, you know? Would you like a little bit more recognition in terms of like what you've achieved to date? Um... I think, I think getting to the UFC, I think it, it's the U. The whole UFC thing that I was just, when I was there, it's bittersweet. Okay, yeah, I made it to the UFC. I had two losses. I didn't. I never, I never got a win in the mm-hmm. UFC. Not to say I'm not a good fighter. Not to say that I couldn't have got a win. I was fighting at the wrong weight class, and I, I, I get that and and stuff. But I, I think people, um, I think think people read into it a little bit more than mm-hmm. like. Uh, What's your perception of what they think? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I think um, what people, a lot of people say, "No, you fought in the UFC, just don't do it." And all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great, and I made it there and all. But um, the I can't think of his bleeding name. Um, what was the black guy that used to walk there? And isn't it? He used to shout, "We roll in!" I met, I met him before in Sweden. He, he, oh, he, flip! Um, uh, oh, I have a brain. I have him on my Instagram as well, and uh, he 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 used to do this big speech in the background. Um, you you would go make way, yeah. And we'd come in, everyone get like a little fighter pack with like food and stuff. Oh, flip! I have to go. Keep yeah, talking. I'll Google it there. there. I have to Google it. He'd say, "Look," he says, "Getting to the UFC is the easy part. Yeah, staying here is the hard part. So you can get in after being on a 10, 15 fight win streak. You get there, you lose two, you you are gone. Mm-hmm. If you're gone once, it's even harder to get back in a second time around." That's why Robbie Lawler was gone for years. He mm. got dropped by the UFC. And then he went to Strike Force. And then he went on a... T- I just know he didn't go to Strike Force. Go on. Burt Watson. Burt Watson. I knew it began with B. Um, I was always thinking Bernie for some reason. Um, Burt, Burt Watson, yeah. Um, gentleman. An absolute gentleman. Mm. But that was his speech. He would tell you, it's hard to get here. It's even mm. harder to stay. And if you get caught, it's even harder to get back in. So that was just that was just the UFC. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really take too much away from my UFC fights. Mm. I mean, head smashed in off Mirside Beckett and me forcing. Uh, I caught a hell of a lot of weight to get there. Nobody knows what I went through to get that. Uh, only Neil Tierney, Andy, and our good friend Keith Duffy were sitting in the sauna for two days straight. And when I say you're on death's door, you, like, we were wrapped up in, in, in um, uh, towels and stuff like that, like you do um, from the Friday night. I think when we landed there, it was like I was 77 kilos, and I still had to make 66. That's 11 kilos in two days. Um, so uh, if you put that in retrospect, it's 22, 22 and a half pounds, or tw- you know, 23 mm. pounds, um, and that's just water out of your body. And we dieted down from 84 to get to that 77. But there's a stone, mm. there's a stone lost in either muscle, fat, whatever it is, first, 
in the first week that we did or the first nine days and then you got to take another 11 out in just pure water um a couple of hours from the weigh-ins was when I, it, it, it just got stuck on like 149 pounds and we were in there for like the, i think it was like three hours just mm. and it didn't shift one one if we had to just stop the three hours short and said look we'll take the hit I'd have probably saved myself three hours of sitting in a sauna because mm. it didn't budge not one ounce and not a point of an ounce did it budge in three hours. And I just remember I was sitting on the, I was actually, Andy carried me out from the sauna onto a chair outside and they had me wrapped up in about a hundred towels. And this girl or an old, an older woman, she's about 50 or 60 came in and she was saying, oh my good God, what's, what's wrong with him? Is he okay? And he says, oh yeah, he's grand, he's just making way for a boxing match. A boxing match, that fella's fit for, fit for bed or he's fit to, you know. Yeah. The last thing he needs to be doing was going mm. boxing or fighting or whatever. And she couldn't comprehend how he was going to go up the next day and fight. Mm. But we did, like I said, got my head smashed in by Mersad, which is a great and incredible fighter. And then even for the next one, then we, um, I, I, I just walk around about 82 kilos. That's me walking around with every day, not fat, not heavy, not, you know, that's just me um i started leaning out about 78 kilos and then we still had to do that big cut from 82 to 66 uh for rob boyford did an amazing camp for for that with joe clifford and um, he was doing all my strength and conditioning work uh for that and um, put together a great 10-week camp got my body fat right down to f- like four or five percent um and then like i still had to take out the last couple of hours I still had to take out seven kilos of water it was just I couldn't get my body fat any lower now it flew out of me it absolutely pissed out of me like I made the weight no problem but you take a stone of water out of your body mm. you eat a big left hand up a guy who knocks people out and you go down mm. so that's uh, essentially then my second fight in the UFC then and then that was that you get cool so then you just move on Oh, it's it's like I mean what I, I remember actually seeing uh, a photograph of you on the scales and just being like how like you just looked so Horrible. I didn't even look like myself you exactly you didn't look like yourself at all there'll be people listening that don't even know what it's like to be to feel hungry to really feel hunger never mind know what it's like to be minus carbs for a certain amount of time to be minus water to be sat in a sauna to be in that uncomfortableness like it's not even it's not even hunger at that stage the hunger actually the hunger actually goes up it's a feeling of weakness you're not your stomach is actually no longer when you get to that point of you think you're cutting weight or you think uh you know you're doing that big huge massive cut by the third or fourth day you're not hungry mm-hmm you'll eat something and you'll just move on today it's the you feel weak non-stop and you still got to do probably a 12 13k run that's not part of your training session that's just a, that's just to get the weight down then you got to go do uh maybe a jiu-jitsu class then mm-hmm. you got to go spar that evening then after all that's done you probably have to skip for an hour and then you've probably taken on about 1500 calories that whole day you've probably burned off maybe 5000 cal- now nah, i'd say about 4,000 calories that day, or 3,500 even. Mm. So you're burning off 2,000 more. Your, your deficit is in nearly 2,000 every day rather than the average couple of hundred. And when I say lightheaded, that feeling of fatigue, feeling of weakness, 
it's there it's, in, it's on you and then you think you're gonna recoup and you think you're gonna get yourself right after weigh-ins and um and it's just not there when i went out and had the first exchange with uh Mirsad, it just wasn't there i just said nothing in me I, I remember i think i went in for like a lazy shot or i think he pinged me once or twice and sort of wobbled me and i said in my head i was like fuck this i'm just gonna go with a shot shot and he like got double underhooks on me or one underhook and like shrugged me off as if, as if i was like a baby i just remember thinking in my head i was i'm gonna get my head better around here and i had three rounds of it Oh, we lasted three rounds. <laughs> mm. <laughs> can you take anything away from that? Like, nah, it's just, it's that's just one of them things. We came out with that and was like, look, we knew it. That's that's just we were here. Now we look for it. Now we look, mm. look to see what the, where where would happen the next fight. That was our entry to, into the UFC, and um, everybody, everybody when they're coming up to MMA, well, m- when I was forced coming up, um, at the time that was the goal. Mm. Uh, I think I think. Uh, I think goals have changed now in terms of fighters mm. and what they're about these days. But when I was a couple of years back, or, um, that well, obviously when I first started, Bellator wasn't the brand it was now. Mm. Bellator was a massive brand now. It was a, uh, it was on sort of it wasn't known over here at all. Mm. If you're a true MMA fan, you would have known who all Hector Lombard now was. Mm. I see he was the champ for them for years. Um, at middleweight, uh, and then. But you would have, you would have always aspired to be the UFC, and mm-hmm. I mean, that, why we took the fight was because of what it was, mm-hmm. and that's the reason I cut all that weight. We thought if you were saying no, you're gonna get, they'll never ask you ever again. Yeah, which is kind of pretty much true, right? I mean, like I don't know. I think I think if you're if you're that good, they'll be forced to uh, reconsider. Re, you'll be, like if you're still if, if say they say 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 they ask you. And um, say you tone them down. Obviously, maybe it was for a different weight class mm-hmm. that you're not used to. And you, and you stick everyone and say, "No, I want to fight a lightweight." And you go and you have five more wins. You have to say, "Well, hang on a minute. This fella's probably really good at lightweight. Mm-hmm. That's only a minute lightweight." Then you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just one of those things. But then if you get beat, then you put yourself back about eight damn months. Then you got then you go you got to go on another four month tear to try to get back somewhere. Mm. So it is. It is what it is, you know. Does it feel different? I mean, because of anyone, you probably have the most um, experience to talk about it in terms of a promotion and the lead up and the weigh-ins and the fight nights. And does it feel different? Do you feel like you're at the UFC? Is there a significant difference between all the different promotions? Um, I think Bellator is 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 just as big if not mm. bigger I- in terms of what they do in they put on a big weigh-ins mm-hmm. they, uh, they put on the the the, uh, the actual weigh-ins first thing in the morning you come out with their media stuff nobody's there closed off to the public mm-hmm. everyone gets a little bit of fuel water into them they do a big media day down in um in uh whatever hotel they're at and they'll come and they'll do um open weigh-ins at uh say the tree arena mm-hmm. So it's just like the ceremonial. Yeah, KSW like. did it when um mm-hmm. when we were here as well. Uh, never got it for Obama. They did. They used to do it in inside the hotel, and anybody mm-hmm. could, anybody could go down to the hotel. But they would do a ceremonial way in for photos, fans, friends, mm-hmm. whoever wanted to come out. They're more than welcome. It just wasn't on the scale that maybe Bellator put it on or the UFC. Um, KSW put it on. Um, Cage Warriors. No. Um, 
we just done a couple of hotels, whatever hotel mm-hmm. you're sort of in, you come down to your weigh-ins. The, the weigh-ins are usually closed off to the publics um, for them, which is fine. Um, to be honest, I think as a fighter, uh, you just want to get the, the this less is the thing you have I to do, the better. Do you know what, Paul? So many people, like, you know, friends and stuff that, that obviously... Um, don't know a lot about MMA or fighting, and they're, they're always, you know, cover glasses, whining. Yeah. They're always like, What? Shy to- Tell me about it, and blah, blah. And what, you know, they're trying to explain to him the fascination with it. And then, you know, they always talk about like the weigh and stuff like that, and like what happens in the process of the day and different things. And I, I just find myself thinking, like, it's the most bizarre because you're taking someone who's in probably the most fragile <laughs> like emotional state you know what I mean whether they've made weight or they're refueling or whatever it is it's, tensions are so high on that day yeah. and then you're sticking you know a room full of media in there mostly people who have no idea what it's like to step foot on a mat um, and asking mostly ridiculous questions or questions that you've answered 95 million times before mm. and it's uh, it's, a, it's just such a, a strange environment fantastic but strange yeah it's fighting in general how is it as a fighter is it is it one of those things where you're like get me out here nah it's like i used to i used to struggle with it a lot i used to i I, just because i wasn't i i only got into this sport when i I think i almost started down in andy's team rhino Mm -hmm. when i was 22 like for anyone that doesn't um know your background when you started like the anyone listening that thinks that you know a fighter is born a fighter no. or you just kind of come out of the womb with like you know gloves on I ready to been, go I couldn't have been more you were very opposite. different right yeah I couldn't have been more opposite I was quite lad um, I was always a bit fucking I was always probably a little bit odd in skilled you know what I mean probably, what probably odd, and just stupid stuff like it just, uh, just you a class, no, yeah class clown with that, you know what I mean yeah. like not everyone's a class clown it was just, uh, and that's why I ended up getting fucked out of school after uh, my junior say did you, know you? I mean? yeah oh, I didn't just, know that yeah just just show you talking in the middle of class <laughs> and I wouldn't mind I, I had brains to born in school I started school I was only having this conversation with my ma last night Um, they put me into school when I was three usually it's four or five mm. Now I turned four in October, late October. So I meant I was I started school in Australia and I turned four in there, blah blah. So I just remember being in secondary sec, secondary school and it was like the first week and like uh, everyone was doing like a two week trial of like what classes you wanted to pick for like three years and shit. Yeah, yeah. So one of the classes we were doing like was German and the teacher, I can't remember her name now, God bless her. Uh, <laughs> she just went around everyone, she was like, How old are you? Where are you from? Blah, blah tell us a bit about yourself. She's like, yeah, Paul, 11 years of age. She's like, yeah, you're not 11. <laughs> I says, no, how old are you? I'm not an idiot. Like, I'm 11 years of age. Like, and she says, you're not 11. I said, yeah, I'm 11. But I had got really, really good entrance, at my entrance exams yeah. to get into secondary school. I got into the top class. No way. At 11. Like, two years. Everyone that was going down the class was like t- 13, yeah. maybe touching 14. Like, when I was 11, I was getting into the top class. So I had brains to burn. So... That's what Sandy Ma last night. It was like I, back then, oh, did nobody recognised. Maybe that's why I was messing. It was just because I was a little bit immature. They probably just ha- should have had me back a year or two. Yeah. Then developed me a little bit more, and I probably just I don't know cured cancer or something. I don't, yeah. You know, I probably I could have done. <laughs> Einstein so, in the second. Yeah, moment. I could have done something more than being <laughs> fucking standing on a building so all day. day. But uh, nobody <laughs> recognised it. And I just I just acting act the bollocks and skill, and then uh, same was got, got really good grades in June. I said no, but they moved me down to like the remedial class I'll say just because just to get me out of everyone's hair like it was, yeah. I was 
reckon all the smart, they're all smart people's cla- uh, heads in, in class. So after my junior, I said, uh, yeah, it just wasn't for me. So they kicked me out and went and done me apprenticeship. It's, it's like, that's so sad to hear, right? Because I instantly think of, you know, we can all remember like um, remedial class or I can remember in maths and being basically told you need to go to pass maths and yeah. then, you know, ordinary and then like literally just like send her back to doing her plus and minus. And it, that kind of, sometimes you don't really feel that you, like someone is telling you you're not good enough to be here so you have to go into a lesser. At Did you time, ever no, feel, were you t- like... At the time I didn't give a bollocks because all my mates were down in 1M and anyway, so I just went down there and messed around then. <laughs> you can remember 1M. <laughs> yeah, they were all reading Lil last year, so we had a great time down in 1M just messing with all the lads. So what happened then? Did you eventually leave so, completely? Like, what, yeah, what, so what just after, they just said, called me Mar up and just said, yeah, listen, we don't want him back here. He's just, he's just dis- he's disruptive in the class, you know. Yeah. Um, didn't they want like never bleeding, like smashed window. I don't, you know, stupid yeah, stuff. Just like, never, young just, boy yeah, stuff. Chatting in class or you know trying to make everyone laugh and stupid stuff like that. So I came out there. I went to the building sites and um, saved my time as a plumber. Came out there. I was finishing my apprentice really young, about twenty years of age, twenty one, making really good money. And then I was fucking out partying every weekend, mm. the usual, whatever, what young lads do, you know. I was probably earning about fucking, am I allowed course on this side? Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. I was probably earning about seven, eight hundred quid a week as a 20 year old, you Give know what I mean? Give money, like. That's good. Pounds um, probably at the time, was it? No, not that late, no. <laughs> um, no, so, uh, <laughs> what does that, pounds come out in 2000, you little liar. No, it came out in my time in 2008. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we earn really good money and going on holidays with the lads. You're out in the, you're in the, yeah. you're in the bills. Off. As soon as you finish, walk straight to the pub. Yeah. All the lads are there. Then you're quiet enough on Friday, out Saturday night on a Madden, a few cure on Sunday, and then back to it on Monday onto the building sites. And then you're just eating shite all weekend, chicken mm. filled with breakfast rolls every day, fucking crisps. And I just says to myself, I got, I got two years of doing that, and I just says to myself, that's we live more of the life. That's just that's shite. You mm. know what I mean? Um. Aren't you lucky that you you questioned so, that? So well, it's a funny story because then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have found MMA only if I'd been on the building sites. So a good friend of mine, Peter Bryant, he was uh, he, when you when you're saving the time, you'll sort of shadow a uh, fitter. You yeah. know what I mean? He'll be like uh, he'll have he'll know he'll have his save his time whatever. He'll be just as little golfer, go with tilts, go with this, go with lunch, you know. And uh, he was a good friend of mine, and uh, yeah, he just said, "Yeah, but watch the UFC Ultimate Knockout Challenge. They have a lot of DVDs in the gaff." And uh, he just brought them in, the pride, lot of Ultimate Knockout, UFC Ultimate Knockout. So the likes of Chuck, Randley, Chuck going over the pride, Crow Cop, all those guys. And I just, I, I watched the force, and I was like, "This is bleeding deadly." Mm-hmm. But it was only the Ultimate Knockout. We had actual fights, so you just see like Fedor blasting through everyone, and then Crow Cop head kicking everyone. And then I just got a little bit more into it. Then I started, I'd, I'd be YouTube was only coming out at that time, and. Um, I remember uh, just YouTube and all fights and stuff like that. And then I started watching the fights and then I found UFC was on Bravo and I started watching yeah. it on Bravo. And then I'd be on the internet then looking at UFC.com, looking at all the videos on that and back on YouTube. And I just found myself just looking at it all the time. Yeah. I was like, this is really some cool shit. And uh, then I was, I was just asking around, I was like, is there anywhere in Dublin that does that? Like, I'm just going, I don't, don't want to be a fighter around it. Everyone started laughing. I said, no, I don't want to be a fighter around it because... I just want to go in there with a the train. They're all in good nick. Yeah. That's the type yeah. of train they do. Yeah. Because I've tried, I used to try like the likes of just standing in a gym, bicep curl and 
doing a little bit of squatting. I don't like it. I hate it. When I, any time I did it, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to eat properly. I didn't know how to train properly. I, did, I was following my other mates, and they had no fucking clue either. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And nothing at the time, nothing had worked on me because I wasn't doing that right. So then walked into Andy's uh, gym. He was actually it was he was in a in a place in Baldur Industrial Estate, and we were actually moving out there. Today we went down, and one of the guys had said, "Look, come back next week. We're in a new facility over across the road around Quebec, and uh, more than happy to train down there." So I came around the first night. They had sort of opened. They were still taking mats around. Now so I jumped on the first class. And it was a strict, strict judo class. Mm. And with no game. So we jumped on in shorts and t shirt. Nearly, I think we were doing 90 minutes uh, grip fighting. And no I was, I was grip fighting with t shirts and, and their gears. And I hadn't a clue what I was doing. And I walked out thinking to myself, what the fuck? That's a lot of bollocks. Yeah. And I says, I just for whatever reason, I says, uh, I went back down to the saying, I oh, know there's other classes now during the week, you might like it and stuff like that. Went down the next day and everyone's in shorts and t-shirts. Sorry. So then they were doing like a little bit of wrestling and a little bit of nogi stuff. And I was like, oh, well, this is this seems to be a bit more of the training. Then I just found myself, so uh, sorry, when I had first started, the first day I'd walked down, I think it was a week after my 22nd birthday. I have the date somewhere on my uh, thing. It's like the 30th of October. And... um yeah, and then I just started doing the nogi, and then uh, heard there was a boxing class on, tried that, then the wrestling was on a Saturday, and then I just uh, found myself in the gym nearly every night of the week, and then every Saturday morning, and then what tends to happen then is it's a, it's a cumulative, what, uh, when you go to a gym first, you might go out of shape, you might mm. be eating the wrong foods, you might be uh, in a, just living the wrong... Uh, uh, an unhealthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. we'll say. Uh, and I was, and I didn't realise how much of an unhealthy lifestyle mm-hmm. I was living till I went down. So when you when I first went down, and then just, even just getting to the gym, gone. That's your first step. And everything else seems to fall into place. Then you'll hear people talking about uh, what diets they're on or what, what, and mm-hmm. what they're eating. And, oh, did you read this book? And then did you, read, did you hear what this guy said about this diet? Then you start coming, oh, well, my diet shit, the minute, what are you trying? And then, then you'll try another little bit, and then you might mm. pull out. Then you're at home, you'll say, I won't have a pizza tonight, I'll have maybe chicken and broccoli. Mm. I was working for that guy down there, he's in good shape. So then little habits like that will kick in, and then you might see a little few changes in your own body. You say, hang on a minute, this is this is starting to work. So then you pick it up a little bit more, and you know the waist starts to come down, uh, whatever, for myself. And it's just one of those things. Yeah, that's mm. why I've, I've had a... Uh, Couple of people say to me over the year. I actually had one, a friend of mine, uh, a DJ, um, just contacted me there the other day, and he was like, uh, "You know, am, am I too unfit to like you? You do, you started the jujitsu to lose weight." I said, "I did." All right, I'm gonna go to the gym to lose weight, to, and then I'll go to jujitsu. I said, "Why not just go to? We we'll just cut cut the gym out." And I yeah. said, "You just go do jujitsu, and the rest will look after itself." Mm. But I'm not flexible. I said, "I said, look, don't worry about it. Mm. Just go." Yeah, you find you like it. <laughs> you play. Uh, I find the the really the good thing I like about jujitsu is, so me as a person, I'm I'm not supple. I can't kick people in the head like James Shane or uh, his brother Graham or anything like that. They they nearly do the splits and it just yeah. he says it, it doesn't even stretch <laughs> it around like that to, to to get to that point. I'm about as supple as that fucking extension is right down there. <laughs> you know, brittle and I just can't do that. But I have a game that really works for jujitsu and it's my game. Um. Mm. 
and the next guy will be completely different, the next girl will be completely different than that. So you'll find just because you can't move a certain way, you will find how to move doing jiu-jitsu yeah. your way. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever works for one won't work for the other. And mm-hmm. you know, that's why you look at the likes of the Meow brothers, oh, I couldn't do half of the shit they do. They're just like bendy fucking pretzels. Like they're just <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, that type of thing. So I just think it's really good in that um respect that it just it's it, it, it you can do it it works for everybody totally and it, i think the biggest takeaway that i found when i started jiu-jitsu was um that all the things that you want to happen like the weight loss like the fitness like the the kind of that'll all look after itself once you just keep showing up exactly the, even the mind stuff the release like the get escape in your brain mm-hmm. escape in your thoughts like all of that's happening in the background while at the forefront you're just enjoying jiu-jitsu yeah. Do you know that's the beauty of it, I right? I think, I think there's a there's a. Who did I have a conversation with? For here's one for you. Do you find it hard to relate to people who don't do jiu-jitsu? Uh, I just, I just say, I just think, what are you doing with the lads? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just think, I, was, I do talk to the lads even even. All right, so now now I haven't got an MMA fight coming up. I have no no fight yeah. currently booked. I have a, a jiu-jitsu match uh, in a couple of weeks on Kieran Dabwin's BJJ Outlays. Oh, but yeah, brilliant. So that's, uh, it, there's no sort of real pressure on that. Okay, mm. it's a big competition, it's for a belt and stuff like that, but I, it's, it's something you go out and enjoy the only mm. It's going to be a tough match or whatever, but um, like my mates at work or whatever like that, or whoever doesn't do it, they'd be like, oh, do you not be bollocks in jiu-jitsu? I, said, oh, I can't wait to go to jiu-jitsu. Yeah. It's like, it's not, yeah, you do be bollocks from it and it, it's hard and it's really hard and it, mm. it's probably one of the best workouts you probably do out there, but I actually can't wait to go down it. it it's just, it's my favourite thing of MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. In the gi, no gi, just go and roll. Yeah. You know, and I think um, the idea of somebody trying to choke you unconscious or trying to break your arm, not break your arm, like get to, get to, to a point of where you have to tap over like that. You're so focused on that. Mm. In that hour and a half, you cannot think about anything else. Mm. So it's just a great way of, like that, if you're stressed with work, if you're stressed with family life, uh, money, just go do jiu-jitsu for an hour and a half. You will not think about your mm-hmm. stress for that hour and a half. And when you come out of it, you'll be that exhausted from it. You're not, still not going to think of it for the rest <laughs> okay. of the night. You know what I mean? So you'll, you'll I always, I remember being asked before about, like, w- you know, what the... F- Talking about the feeling of after you've had a really tough jiu-jitsu session where, like, you're almost in tears on the mat because of whatever reason, that you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever's happening. But when you get home or when you're on your way home, like, you literally could be sitting on the couch in the house and it could be burning down around you and you'd be like, oh, I don't yeah. want to move. The, one, the, the big move. one I got from that, the, like, do one of Andy Ryan's competition classes, they are fucking hard. Yeah. Like, even if you're even if you're competition fit, match fit, whatever, you go do Andy Ryan competition class, you will not be the better of it. Yeah. You'd be better in in, in mentally for <laughs> it for doing it for just pushing through. But that's that old school mentality. Yeah, it's just you <laughs> gotta just through. do it. Just yeah. reach your teeth and just go for it. Yeah. Um, but I remember the day I got me brown belt. I was actually uh, I was out the night before on the drink. I, was, I didn't think I was going. I didn't think I was getting a belt. I, I knew there was a promotion the next yeah. day. I knew there was a promote belt promotion on the Saturday, but I just thought I would just go up and battle the blue belts and they'll get purple belts or the white belts or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, give them yeah, all yeah. a whipping at the end of it and be done with it. <laughs> so I was out to bleeding stupid o'clock in the morning, um, at like five in the morning or something like that. I 
think I got to sleep for like a couple of hours and went up, jumped on the mats, and they were doing like passing guard drills. And it was there. I was like, yeah, I was, I was hung over the bit. But like I said, I didn't think I was going for um, like a belt or whatever. And uh, they were doing these passing guard guard drills, and so I was sort of beating everyone um, passing guard. So I was on my back. So I was out there nearly 45 minutes. I was bollocks, I was wrecked. And then we came in and then they were doing something else and it was holding me on there, doing whatever I needed to. I think it was half guard or something like that. And then it, it was like, um, he just started calling people uh, calling people out to the mat. Out. I was already on the mat. He was like, all right, do you stay out there? So I was like, all right, no, but it turned out to be an hour and a half iron man. And I, I just came up, when I finished up, I said, what the fuck was that? Like, why am, I, why am I doing an iron man? And he called me out with a brand, but I was like, all right, but, I was fucking exhausted, like exhausted from being hung over. Uh, and I just remember that. I can think of nothing worse, to it's, be honest. Yeah, it's a, it was e- a even with a ha- Even doing a class and a, hang- and a hangover is actually <sighs> disastrous. Bad. So when you got your black belt, yeah. what taught me to you that moment? Like, what was the feeling? I can't even imagine um, that day. Yeah, Rodrigo had been over, has been over was over that day or the, the, that week he'd been doing a couple of seminars so for anyone who doesn't know he's the sort of head instructor mm-hmm. of BJJ Revolution and he's uh, Jiu-Jitsu affiliated with them with Team Rhino and then the Jiu-Jitsu sort of BJJ mm-hmm. Revolution um, so Rodrigo comes over once a year does a couple of seminars in the Re- uh, Revolution gyms which would be Tim Murphy's um, Fergal Quinlan's Andy's um, a couple of the guys up North Peter Labry and stuff mm-hmm. So then we knew anytime because I was just going to do a belt promotion. She was during the summer or early, early, early summer or late in the year. It's one or the other. And uh, we knew we was coming over. And uh, obviously getting a black belt is a, is a big thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't think I was anywhere near. I did, I, it, it just didn't pop into my head. I didn't think mm-hmm. anything of it. Um, but I remember I, I had won a match on Polaris um, against a really good guy who had been winning everything at the time, Craig Yours. Still winning everything. He seems to be winning the... I think he won the Nagas here that year in, in the UK. A couple of good competitions. And he was a black belt. And I went over and I'd, I'd gave a good account of myself over there. I won the match. Um, and uh, But again, like... I, I, that had just happened. That had happened like a couple of months prior. But again, I still want like to me. This is why I was I was thinking like after I got the black belt, maybe that's why I got it. But yeah. I wasn't thinking I was getting one that day. Yeah. So then they had d- did the belt promotion and like they had called up and they says, "Give us an your brown belt for a minute. I want to give it to Ron from Gill like." Mm. Classic uh, I, Andy Ryan. Yeah, but like I thought I had like a, a, I thought my brown belt was in the car <laughs> and then it was like me, I just spare one like a two or three. Yeah. And um. I wasn't, I was like, hey, just take that, and, and I threw it over to him like that, so then he called it Ronan, and uh, he got his brown belt, so I think I had a white belt on me, I think I grabbed somebody's white belt just to throw it on me, like, yeah. so then uh, Rob, Robbie Brennan was handing him all the belts throughout the, the things, with a big sort of stack of them there, so next to what he reached in, in, in the inside of his jacket and pulled out the black, and everyone started going, you, yeah. who, who's getting this <laughs> yeah. bad boy, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was chatting shit to like I don't know do, uh, no not to, uh, the butcher Keith and James Shane or whatever and I think I had like sort of me back and half my shoulder turned and I wasn't even looking and a white belt wrapped around me like starts tapping his just reds are up here and then I was like what the nah and then he's like obviously just he'd go collect it and then like I was nearly in tears collecting it yeah um, it's 10 years of hard work and um, it's probably the most frustrating, difficult 
most enjoyable, funnest thing mm-hmm. about it. It's 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 a it's a weird one. But yeah, that's that's my black belt. I anyone that's listening that does jiu-jitsu will know exactly what you mean in terms of like the as equally difficult as it is enjoyable. Um It's frustrating. It's so so yeah. frustrating. It's like when they're picking it up, say a white belt, white belt or a blue belt, um, and say, Andy used to be showing us, because Andy can move really well, he's mm. like, he can go upside down, he can do splits, walk on his hands, yeah. he's, he's supple, he's good, he's got, like, he's really good. But I remember um, when we were, when I was a blue belt, I think, and he used to show, he had got, I think he, I think he had got a DVD of his friend Jerry O'Grady. I actually ended up borrowing the DVD and I lost it on him. Um, and it was from Cyborg, and Cyborg invented this thing called Tornado Guard. Yeah. You have to invert it and you go upside down with it. And he was just, he was showing me real, like it was nothing to him. And he was like, oh, you just do this, grab the sleeve, bang, 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 bang. And I couldn't comprehend it for about eight months. And I was like, like wh- how am I meant to get that? Like, And I just, I remember drilling it and drilling it and drilling it. And I, I wasn't even drilling it because I was doing it wrong. Yeah. And I still, I don't even think I can still <laughs> do it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but <laughs> it was just one of those things. I just couldn't comprehend the moves um, being shown to me at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was just so, f- I just remember being so frustrated and just, not wanting to do it, yeah. be like, oh, I just can't do it, I'll just do something else, you know what I mean? But then you try and go back there and go back there. Like, like yeah. I said, I still can't do it proper, so it's still frustrating, but it's enjoyable, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, can we talk about Andy for a minute? Yeah. Um, probably one of my favorite interviews of yours is post interview. I think Noel McGrath had interviewed you. Um, Which for you? Um, not this one, the one before, mm. uh, the one where you were. Charlie Leary. Oh, when I was uh, roaring and crying like a big baby. I was going to say a little bit emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was the most, like, I've known you for years, yeah. do you know what I mean? And uh, it was the most, like, raw, honest. I, I was in tears myself watching it because of, like, obviously known both you and mm-hmm. Andy and the team and known how much has gone into just everything and your own story that I was like, what a moment that was captured. It was really, really special. How has Andy's influence, I suppose, influenced you yeah, since you started this journey? Yeah, if it wasn't for Andy, I'd say I'd be still kicking rocks or still mm-hmm. fucking um, just, uh, how would I put it? I wouldn't have pushed myself. Mm-hmm. As much as I did, like I loved it. I loved doing MMA. I loved when I really started it and um and, and getting into it and stuff like that. But like, alright. So when I first started, um, I used to be a little stoner. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be smoking green every every day. Fucking smoking. Like like I said, you were earning really good money a week. You need to spend your money somewhere. And yeah. you don't receive being smoking joints, joints after joints, joints. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember used used to be walking into Andy's stoned. And then I'd come out and I'd have a joint and I'd be just got a stone going home. And then I remember asking for, you know, I was just curious about about fighting and then ha- about how to get into fights. And he says, let me just stop you for a sec. You need to stop all the smoking and green and going out on weekends. And so if you, you want to fight, you come back to me in a while and we'll have a look about it. And like I said, that was along with your diet and stuff like that. That was another thing. You, you, you stopped doing all the negative uh, stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um so I'd knocked I'd knocked all that down on the on the head, and then I'd taken a few fights and um 
after the fight, he would go back to doing what you were doing. He'd cop and he'd pull it up on it again. He'd say, you know, snap it over or whatever. Then you would for a couple of years, a couple of months, and then uh, he'd, he'd get you matched and he'd get you matched and you'd be fighting away. And then say he's a good way of keeping the keeping lads in check. Like would be back then, I would have been. You would think once you're done your fight. Mm-hmm. Right, you can go party now, come out now. And he'd ground you, he, he, he'd, he'd bring you back down to earth and he'd, t- he'd have you booked for, an ex- for another fight so quick. Mm. So you couldn't have that chance to go yeah. partying. Um, and only for him, I, I don't think, like if, if I think two years running, n- not back to back, there was a year that I had done seven fights in a, as an amateur. Well, it's not that big a deal as an amateur, but uh, for, uh, for all my fights, I would have been, I'm fighting at 70 kilo, mostly mm. 70 kilo, so it's sort of a big enough wake up for me every time I do it. Um, but he had me fighting seven times that year, and then a year or two later, then I think the year or two in pro, then he had had me doing mm-hmm. seven fights that year. So I didn't, ha- didn't have a chance to go um, out drinking, uh, out pa- uh, partying, out smoking green. I didn't, it made me change my mind and made me see what training was and, mm-hmm. and what the athlete lifestyle was. And only for them, I don't think I would be the person I am today, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I would be for, forever grateful to Andy for, mm-hmm. for steering me in that direction, you know what I mean? Um, because I, I didn't know what it was. Like I said, I took the, I took up the sport when I was 22. Um, he was leading the way. He was, it's his gym. Um, and he had done it. He he's been in judo, I think, since he's about five, six years mm-hmm. of age. So he knows what it's like to train as a uh, as an athlete. The, the 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 commitments you need to put into it, the hours you need to put into it. And I didn't realize, even when I was an amateur, what it does take to get that. And it only took me sort of till I was halfway through me, me like till I got a good few fights in, mm-hmm. even in my pro career to like to say, right, well, this is the way I had to train. It's it's it's. He always he always says it. And he always used to say about living the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You gotta eat and breathe. You got like you gotta get up in the morning. You gotta yeah. You're eating health. You're eating good food. Mm-hmm. You're out running. You're out. You're watching your weight constantly. You're you're you're, ju- you're just on it. You're just mm-hmm. on it constantly. And only like I said, only for him, I wouldn't know what any of that was. So um, it's a big influence in my in, in my whole sort of. I'm all around now. I'm totally trained now. So I, I told my life mm-hmm. he was big influence all the way, you know. Can you remember a moment um in in that the the time that you've been with Andy where you, you've you could sort of something clicked or you recognised how strong a bond that you had and how important the role because it is almost like it, it, it's coaching student but it's also a very much a father son role as well. Yeah, like you, you have a lot of trust in him, right? E- even take even okay, so I'd start through the MMA with Andy. Um, obviously you get to know and get a little bit closer to them over the years because mm-hmm. like, uh, you become friends and stuff like that and, um, and I'd see like, me and Andy go for lunches, breakfast together sort of do, do a lot together you know um, but it's uh, away from the gym as well he gives you really good advice and um, it sort of just it steers you in the right path you know what I mean mm-hmm. like alright so I'll give you a quick one um, only happened to me recently Say sorry, so I'm back on my tills now. The last year, making sort of good money again. Um, I wanted to treat myself to a new car. It broke me foot. Um, when I had me, when I was injured last year, I was like, "Fuck, I have a few quid there. Just uh, I want to get a new car and treat myself." So I was down. He bought. He he had bought uh, his car out. This nice place. It was close by us. 
and uh, I went down. I wanted to buy a big BM4 series. Um, fucking, it's like a one four two model, whatever. I don't so drive. I've no idea. It's like last on me. Yeah, like t- it was like twenty two grand, or twenty three grand. The car was worth. Right. And I went down, had a look at it, put all the written papers through for finance. I was waiting to get the call back or whatever. Often, so he rings me. I rang him. I says, "I'm down here looking at this show." He says, "Send me a photo. Send me a few photos." So he rings me straight away. So what do you want that for? I says, "Cause I like it." She says, "You're not gonna fucking use it." You're going to drive to a building site out in Stalag and all that. It's going to sit in a fucking car park for 10 hours and you're going to drive home. What the fuck do you need a bleeding BM4 series for? Just want you to get something small, practical. Just give me a minute. So then he rang a friend of ours, Keith, and uh, or they were with each other and Keith got on to me then. He says, Andy was saying you're looking for a golf. I says, yeah, it was him and Han, but yeah, golf would be nice. And leave it with me. Two minutes later, it was a, my husband there. We go down, then the trevers went down together. I looked at the goat, that's the car I'm driving now. So, just little things like that, mm-hmm. you know. You, you, like, I, t- I think the goat was like half price, uh, half the price of the, the BM. So, it saved me, like, fucking, and I love it. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's probably the best car I've ever had, you know what I mean? So, just little things like that throughout the years. Um, that half, half of the stuff you wouldn't even remember, just li- even little things yeah. like that, or um, the likes of paying your own taxes and stuff like that yeah. put me pu- puts me onto like um, uh, his account his stuff m- yeah. brings me down introduces me you know his f- good friend of mine that all that type of stuff mm-hmm. so you're not being ripped off that, you know just just yeah. little things like that so he's always looking out for so I'll always appreciate Andy you know uh, your mom yeah She's such an. Am- trying to make me fucking rock, rock, <laughs> cry <laughs> me eyes out. Yeah, you know what I mean. I can see you tearing up, and I'm gonna <laughs> no, go as well. I cry on every episode here. Can't leave unless you cry. But we have to talk about your mom because she plays a massive part in we your have life, to go. right? You go nowhere. She does play a massive uh, uh, role in, in your life. She, you That's have her. Mind, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. But listen, Reda, there's there's young fellas out there who don't look at their man in that high esteem, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, she's you. She celebrated a birthday recently. Did she? Did I see last week, up? last um Saturday. Uh, won't tell you how old she is because she's been punched. So Happy birthday, Denise, from everyone here. I walk into a frying pan or something like that. <laughs> Bang when I walk through the door. Yeah, to break all the, out the old wooden spoon and rattle the legs on. Uh, but listen, did she in 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 this journey? Was there ever a moment um, that she stood back and said to you, like, you know, I'm so happy that you started doing in this? In what MMA or in life? Yeah, well, I mean, like, it, it, well, it all kind of comes together, isn't it? You know, like. I mean, if it, does she ever look back on that, you know, 11-year-old who was down in 1P no, or I tell, I tell 1M? You, as, as, a, as a young player, I was always a little bollocks. I always mm. was. Uh, she tell it herself. <laughs> um, for, I think from the minute I fucking came out, I was bawling my eyes out, screaming, like screaming like half down. And she, she says, I didn't shut the fuck up till I was 18. <laughs> That's what she always says. Um, but like that, I was a little bollocks in the house. I think I used to, I think I started drinking when I was like 13 years of age. Just out on the rip with all the lads. Three cans of Dutch gold. Thinking about Ray falling all over the place, coming in and getting a rapid and reading one's building across the legs. <laughs> it is what it is. So, uh, my dad didn't live. Was, uh, I think he left the gap when I was bleeding 11 years of age mm-hmm. or whatever. No big deal. It happened. But there was four of us in the house. And uh, look, I mean, my sister has a, a baby now, Faye. Mm-hmm. And my brother has a baby, Sophia. And they're my two best mates. But I, I see how hard it is with them. Mm. Not hard, like, but it's to bring them uh, to raise a kid, a child is, yeah. is 
is hard. It's tough going. To raise four is fucking, <laughs> is insane. And yeah. she did it with not one of us ever getting the guy to call to the door. She did it with fucking, we never had, with the best, always had the best of gear on us. Mm. Never missed Aunt at Christmas, never missed a meal, never missed, never without, like, without a roof over our heads. And, um, I, I genuinely, I've sat up and thought about it. I've talked to her about it. I've talked about it on my own. And I says to her, how the fuck in God's name did you even do that? That's that's nuts. It's insane. Mm. She she walked as well on top of this. She was doing like 8 o'clock to say 2 o'clock and she'd fly home, pick me up. No, pick... Tra- she'd be in the house or whatever from all of us coming up from school. She'd have dinners ready. She'd have help us with her homework. She'd be back up. Uh, she'd go. She was actually... She'd start kickboxing as well. She ended up being coming a black belt as well um, in kickboxing. I did hear but this. She'd, she'd yeah. done all this on her own, raising four kids, and I, I, it's she's, she's my hero. Did she give you an answer on, on how she's done this when Wait, you no. asked her? She says, I can't remember about 10 years my news were growing up. She says, I just, it's gone out of my head because I was that busy. Mm. I, I can't remember it, she says. It was just, because my older brother was told then, I was 11, my sister was nine, I'm younger, but there's a big gap between my sister and my younger, but I think it's about eight years. So, sorry, when we out, we left. Uh, I think my, youngest bro- my younger brother was only one, or mm. maybe one and a half. So she had, she had, a, brand, she had a newborn there as yeah. well, on top of all of us, on top of this little bollocks going out drinking every weekend. And like my older brother never saw the act of cactus until um, he was older. <laughs> Neither did my sister, you know, they waited till they were. Um, allow drinking in the house, you know, when you're 16, I'll have like two or three bottles with your friends. Yeah, that wasn't me, you know, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was out smoking my green, I was out fucking uh, just drinking. But again, I was never bringing guard to the door, I was just wanted to go out and do whatever with yeah. my mates. And um, yeah, when she used to catch me, she would get the wrap of the wooden spoon across the legs, yeah, little bollocks, you know, yeah, um, yeah go down. But the worst, um, punishment she gave me and I, always, I said it to her I said it to her a few times I came in locked down my head one night on four cans you know it's not even, it wasn't even that much <laughs> but I think it was like 14 so uh, I came in and I was like yeah I'm going to bed I, was, I think I'd opened the, opened the door I was like yeah I'm going to bed so I legged it up the bleeding stairs got into my bed and I was like fuck thank god oh, I'm home free because usually you would stay in one of your mates' caps or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? I'd stay in the bleeding field upside down in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> you just go back the next morning and say, yeah, I was around the stairs the, 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 the last night. Um, <laughs> so she came up about 15 minutes later. I genuinely thought I was home free. She knocked on the lights. She says, you were out drinking, weren't you? She says, no. Looked at her cross. I wasn't sure you were drinking. <laughs> she says, if I catch you going downstairs for a drink, I'm going to murder you. She says, I'm going to combat you. So I couldn't go back. I couldn't go downstairs for a drink for about. I would think I came in about ten o'clock, and then couldn't go down the next day to about ten o'clock the next morning. And when I say my mouth was like the Sahara Desert, <laughs> it was the worst <laughs> punishment I have ever got me whole entire life. You know, for it's one of them things. Uh, Did you stock up in the bally gown under the bed from there mm, on in? The fridge in my room now in case he does it again. You know what I mean? <laughs> but listen I have to ask because when you mentioned your dad there um, in the same breath you said oh, it doesn't matter that's it you know stuff happens yeah is that how you process a lot of emotion will we say uh, in terms of what well I mean in terms of your dad um, not being there when you were growing up has it, do you choice. ever felt like it has affected you 
No, not one bit. I think, oh, I think if you dwell on it too much, again, if you dwell on it too much, sitting around, yeah, gaff thinking, oh, why didn't some person want to stay here? Who gives a fuck? That, that's, it was, that was his choice. Best of luck to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, actually, God rest him, but um, he's dead now. But uh, no, I never, I never sat back and thought, I, I just thought, I always thought, that's why I have, that's why again where I hold me man to high regards, not not just because of that league. Um it was because if she wanted to stay there was mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So that's just that's just the way oh yeah I I see, you know what I mean? It's not big deal. When we, when when you say that and then when we look at the relationship that you've had with Andy, do you yeah. think that maybe if Andy hadn't been in your life that maybe that that that's outcome that you have or the way that you think about it in that situation that it could have been different I think um, I just think my life in general would have been different I think I, I, I think I just would have um, I think I would just like I wouldn't have found I wouldn't, obviously I'd went down to train to the gym but say I never went down to the gym I wouldn't have never met Andy I wouldn't have never been I'm pushed towards a better a, a better train and a better that type of sort of mm. mentality and stuff like that so I probably wouldn't I probably would have just been a, a, still a riphead like I wouldn't go out from one end of the year to the next nowadays mm-hmm. we have if it's a big occasion with the lads or a big bank holiday or something like that and you have no fights booked yeah let's go out and have a few drinks great but I haven't drank I think my last night out was my work night out at Christmas mm-hmm. I didn't drink over Christmas because I knew the, the fight come up I didn't want to I didn't want to start camp sort of feeling shitty or anything like that or I, where you have to get fit you know I want to start camp mm-hmm. fit so I wouldn't have a drink over Christmas I still I, I haven't had a drink after me for you I don't you know it's not it's not a big deal like I said I, I'll rock up to the gym and Jiu Jitsu you get a buzz out of Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. the average person doesn't know because they don't do it so they get away from their stress their um, their lives whatever's going on bad good and different it's probably a few drinks at the weekend, a bottle of wine, or mm. you know what I mean. That's yeah. man, that's 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 a lot of people do that, and it's um look if that's yeah get away and that's what you want to do. My power there for me, just go and do a bit of training. You know, mm-hmm. you're very emotionally resilient though, aren't you? In terms of well, you've got you've got a very not only uh, well, I mean, someone's <coughs> probably listening going like, well, he's a fighter, and that's what. But it's not just like from a, a mental strength in terms of being a fighter, but in general, you seem to have a very you're strong-minded, strong-willed. It, it seems like um, you just kind of. I think I know it's sort of getting. A, I think I've always had that, even as a, even as I was young. You know, Andy always jokes that I rocked into his gym with a skateboard and I packed the packed the monster much. <laughs> that's that's the joke. Um. But I did used to do a lot of skateboarding and, and rollerblading and BMX and all. I used to be really good at it. Then I, and I, I don't like things. I don't like things getting the better of me. Mm-hmm. So I, if I try something and, and I like it, or I, I'll stick with it and I'll stick with it. And I just have that t- type of personality that if I'm if I'm doing something, I, I, I want to do well at it. You know yeah. what I mean? If I'm, uh, I'm I, I, I try not just to do it for just the sake of it and just to kill an hour. Is it to do it? It, it in terms of like the mindset? Is it? I want to do well at this or I want to be the best at this? Um, well, I had never taken up fighting. Again, I didn't even know I wanted a fight mm-hmm. until, even when I was doing my amateur, I didn't know, I, I had no expectations of even going, pr- first of all, I had no expect, uh, expectations of going, um, of taking up one fight, mm-hmm. amateur, but whatever. Then I had taken maybe 10 of them and then I'd never expected to go professional. Mm. Then I've now taken 25 of them. 
I had never thought of a UFC even entering my head mm-hmm. from when I had watched it, but I ended up there. I never thought of a belt, but I ended up there. So I don't put things on, I don't put, I do put goals in front of me, and when I'm training, I'll say, all right, now, okay, now there's a real, when we were in the middle of Cage Warriors, um, and we were at the, um, I think it'd be seven guys at the time, sort of one after, I went seven and oh, and yeah. then I got B, or, you know, um, when, you're, when I was on that team, then the UFC became a goal, because you're like, all right, well, we're doing really well here. Mm-hmm. Then people start getting signed around me, Neil Cherry, Connor, that type of stuff. So then, then it's an attainable goal. Then you're like, wait, no, that is. So I don't think goals are as clear. Some people, for some people, yeah, you know, you might take a uh, somebody might take a boxing uh, four years of age and say, well, I want to go to the Olympics, and he'll make his business to make it the Olympics for eighteen years. I never had that because I didn't. I only took up the sport really late. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think goals have to be long term I think they can come in at any time but mm-hmm. that's just my own opinion um, but yeah for someone who is so goal orientated do you ever worry or just fear ever set in for when the day comes where you have to hang up your yeah. gloves yeah um, I think uh, I've thought about it a couple of times um, we've, me and Andy have had conversations about it um, I, I don't I don't want to be that type of fighter where they go past it and go about eight losses. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just fighting for either money or you just want to do it and the results aren't there so then people are using it as a stepping stone and that type of shit. I don't want to get to that point, you know. Um, I think if the performance starts, uh, don't come, mm-hmm. um, then you look, you reevaluate things. Um, but then you're just, you're just going to have to make new goals. But I think... Once my MMA, once MMA stops, I think I'm like I'll always do jiu-jitsu, always, yeah. and I'll always help the lads in the gym, be either help Andy um, teach a class or mm-hmm. do no gi with them or whatever. I'll always help the lads in the gym mm-hmm. with fights, or I, I do tend to help them all with weight cuts. They all fucking ask me about weight cut advice, um, and I'll do that for them. And then, uh, but I'll always do jiu-jitsu, and then. Uh, like I said, I've got a big match coming up there in a couple of weeks. Um, so I'll take a couple of more of those and I'll get a bit more active on that scene. Um, when I can't do that anymore, I'll do the IB Jeffs and I'll, you know. But so there's always there's mm-hmm. goals past MMA. I think uh, I think if you're hung up on just doing MMA, I I, I, I just I don't know. I wouldn't be into it. You know, I wouldn't be into past, fighting past my prime and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, but I have goals past. I have other goals. And then what about like? I mean, do you do you have a social life outside of? Um, no, really, no. It just consumes everything that you're doing. Uh, my social life consists of like that of I have. How do you, how do you balance it? Because obviously you've got a, a massive friends circle. I mean, you've got good friends that are around yeah. you. Um, do you I, ever find I it hard to balance your time in the gym and then outside? I don't have an outside really. I don't have uh, my outside is the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, you get your your kicks out with all the lads. Um, yeah, like all the lads are fighting this week now. Um, I'm away down with Sligo. Oh, actually, all the lads are nearly fighting this week out of the gym. It's a pro bellum, isn't it? In, in no, it's like a fucking across three shows. We've got um, Cage Conflicts, Keith McCabe, and Ivan are on pro bellum. Yeah. Um, you got James Sheen on Cage Warriors down in Manchester. Amazing. Then you got uh, damn it. Okay, my daughter, Jamie, Isaac, Alex, Lewis. There's about five or six up there. 
Cage Conflict. Peter, yeah. He had Brian Draper, Mark Alwyn, and uh, Jamie Abbott last week. He had me and um, Costly the week before. Costly had a great uh, yeah, fight at Bellator. Well, yeah. So we got all them tipping away at the one time. We were all cutting weight together. We were all miserable together. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, that's... I, I like, I'd, have, I'd have sort of three, three circles of friends. Uh, me and a is sort of the name one now at the minute just because I'm around them so much mm-hmm. every night of the week. Or... Um, then I'd have the lads I grew up with when I was from 16 till about 23, 24. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I t- I, like I'd see them out and i talk to them, I'd, I'd be sending them text messages or on Instagram or whatever. I don't really get out. Half of them have two and three kids and gaffes and mortgages mm-hmm. and, you know, wives and all that. I don't have that because I'm still rocking up the MMA. And then I'd have another group of friends then. Um, they're a little bit older and uh, they, a lot of them would know Andy, a lot of them would know me, and know them from around the area mm-hmm. from years. So then you'd go for drinks or whatever with them. So I'd have a couple of di- different groups of friends. But I'd probably just see the MMA ones the most, the lads in the, the, lads in the gym. And they're like, they're like the, it's not like they're, they're, they're good friends. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You make really, even if you're... Even if you're only taking up jiu-jitsu as a, a hobby or whatever, you're going to meet some really cool mm-hmm. people. Like, and I, I, I always think it's... it's um, Any jiu-jitsu ma- I'm ever on, you find the weirdest walks of life. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, mm-hmm. like, say in our gym, you've got one lecturer in, say, UCD. Then you've got me, a plumber, or an MMA fighter, mm-hmm. or a DJ. Then you've got a couple of sparks, butchers. Then you've got another one that owns his own shipping company. You've got, you know, there's just a range. You've got yeah. coppers. You've got, yeah. uh, there's just a range <laughs> of different people. Once they're all on the mat, everyone has the same fucking crack. Yeah. And it's, I just think it's great. It's just brilliant. And it, like, it's like that um, on anywhere that I've gone before. I think it, it, uh, I trained over in American Top Team. I trained over in TriStar before. Uh, I did a little bit, I got one night's training over in. Um, uh, oh, Robert Joyce there, he, uh, Barry Olds, he'd take me down there when we were over in Vegas at the time. And like, it's the same every gym you go mm. to, you'll meet guys there. Even if they're not competition oriented, they're just going to just do a bit of jiu-jitsu, get out of the house right now. Yeah. Just meet people from mental walks of life that you're like, no, mate, you, that's your job. And they're like, yeah, no. Yeah. And they just, they don't think about it as like, yeah. it's just another thing, you know. Yeah. That's why, I re- again, that's why I really like, yeah, I, I really like just get your mate just... Do you not, or do you not, or do you, or do you again? Do you worry about um, things like having a family or having a wife? If you've, if your peers are in that stage, does it ever? Because I think for women that are in yeah, my age group and your age group, it's very different. Um, I don't worry about it too much. Wait, um, how old are you? Thirty-two. Excuse me, I'm twenty-one. Cheeky, this one, huh? Now I'm. Um, I don't really worry about it too much. When it comes, it comes. Uh, it's no sense to me looking right now, but I've still got, uh, you know, a few years of fighting at me, and it's going to take a bomb me time. You know, who the fuck wants to put up with anyone training, <laughs> uh, working like 30, 40 hours a week, training a fucking 10, 15 hours, 20 hours a week, whatever. Then they're going to be coming right on top of it. On top of it, they're going to be miserable. They're going to tell you to fuck off when you're eating a bleeding burger in front of them. Who the fuck wants to be with that? So when I'm all said and done, when I can get fat afterwards, uh, <laughs> that's when we we'll sit down and, um, <laughs> we look at that scenario, but how would you like to be remembered? Um, when I'm dead, yeah, that I was sound. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, never thought about it too much. I think that's well, what, what would you like people's perception of you to be? I just thought I wasn't a dickhead, 
<laughs> no, I think there's enough from this world. Uh, I think if you can make a uh, uh, few people's lives, um, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna meet fucking a lot of people. You meet a lot of people throughout your life. But I just think if you can, like that, if you can just help as many people as you can go along, um, and just not be an asshole. Yeah, and people just say, Do you know what? Like when you're dead, uh, the best thing I think people can say is he was fucking sound gas fella, and they have a couple of stories to to, to say about you. Yeah. That's uh, that's all anyone can hope for um, when they're dead. To be honest, you know what I mean. Um, and have good memories rather than somebody looking at uh, pictures or going, oh, I have to go and see this headstone this weekend. Or, you know, that's yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. And um, so some of some memories of um, being that you helped them once or twice throughout their life. Great. Yeah. Well, I think you're on the right track to hmm. achieving that, uh, right there. Um, hopes for the future. Hopes for the future. Personally or professionally, what what comes to mind? Uh, win the lotto, maybe. If you you, <laughs> you may ring my number when you do. <laughs> uh, no, um, <laughs> I've set a couple of goals in mind over the next couple of years. The likes of that mortgage, um, uh, just yeah, settle down a little bit. Um, I haven't really thought too much about family uh, yet. I think after fighting, that will mm-hmm. eventually come. Um, but yeah, I'll just... Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. It's a good one. I don't one. know. Like, I'm gonna, like, my, my, current, um, my current goal is what I'm going to have to eat after this. I'm having air. sweating here. I haven't have air from, like, no, have from like 11 o'clock this morning, so like, I'm starving. So like, when I walk out here, my next goal is to find a sandwich or something like that. So that's my current goal. Uh, but listen, I was going. What was I going to ask you? Professionally, though, uh, getting back and winning wins. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. back fighting. So be it the middle of summer or October or yeah. August, whenever Bellator had me back on. Uh, not only a win. I want to be. I want to uh, back good performance mm-hmm. to say. You know. Yeah. Is there a goal or is there a dream opponent? Dream opponent. Um. Well, let's make it interesting, right? Yeah. If you could fight anyone from any promotion, any, I mean, like, go wild here. Use your imagination. One person that you'd love to jump into the cage with. Don't really know. That's something you'd have to think. That's something you'd have to just have spend hours on. Like, like forget that. weight classes, forget, like, you know, if they're retired now. Who is one person that you've always gone, they're, like, my favourite fighter? Oh, who's my favourite fighter? Um, I have a couple of them. It used to be BJ Penn when he was, like, doing the business, just wrecking everybody at 155, 170. Um, Were you, what was your uh, opinion when you came back, when you came out of retirement? Should he have stayed no, in I retirement? No, I should have stayed. It, that's yeah. The game, it's not that, it's it's not that, first of all, it was his, his age. I think he yeah. was coming back about 41. Yeah. Um, you can't keep up with, you, that doesn't matter what you're telling yourself in training. At 41, the, the, now I know Yon Romero's 41 going into a championship fight against Adesanya in a couple of weeks. That's not a here and a there. That guy's a freak. <laughs> but if you come out that, like, uh, the, the, the thing with Yon is he's, he's been regularly competing. Mm. Um, BJ took that time, he took a good few years off. So it doesn't matter if you're a good at Jiu-Jitsu or good, uh, where a good fighter. You cannot keep up with the 25-year-olds, 23-year-olds coming mm. into the, the, the UFC now. They, uh, or any professional league, or any, 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 any of them, like, 
they're, they're spending five, six hours in the gym. They've fuck all else to do. They're having a mm. washer. So their buses go, get do pads in the morning, go for a run, go for um, jiu-jitsu in the evening, um, on the hopes of making it big. BJ is a rich man. Mm. Not only from fighting, his family is rich. Everybody told him when he when he first started out, he didn't need to fight. Mm. His family is loaded, like yeah. really wealthy, um, and he did, and he became one of the best. And then when he when he retired, they said, "Look, yeah, you don't you don't have to prove that you were a, you were a champion in two weight divisions." Um, if I think he was the first American to win a Brazilian national uh, jiu-jitsu, yeah. and he got his black belt in three yeah. years. Phenomenal athlete. Mm, unheard of. Yeah, and I think when you come back out of retirement, that fought one, you do your you do your own uh, uh, legacy. Uh, I don't uh, look like that. I still remember BJ from when I was. I don't remember. I didn't watch the ones that he came back against. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who else did he fight? Uh, I know you fought your year and your year went through him for a show yeah. but he does crazy stuff and you just I think he's like 25 and he's just like that he's just all mm. flashy spinning elbows up kicks knock Koreans on me out with an up elbow that type of stuff and you just can't you, you just cannot compete with that not, not at that age you know what I mean but I still remember BJ when he was um, battling punched the hell out uh, Matt Hughes and you know Rick's the gloves and yeah. uh, blood all over him <laughs> he was one of my favourites back in the yeah. day I think a lot of a lot of our age group a lot of people grew up and BJ Penn would have BJ been BJ Penn I think like, uh, again it, it, it depends on what type of style they're looking for I think you know good he had deadly jiu-jitsu that's why I liked mm. it but then you look at Matt Hughes Matt Hughes was like the new guys watching MMA now having a cl- I think I said Matt Hughes in the gym the other day with a lot of younger guys in the gym. Like Adam, who? Adam Darby and Brian Draper and all those guys. I mentioned Matt Hughes before. And uh, Andy goes, yeah, he'd be one of my favourites. Like, and that's, that's that's what we got. It was like, who the fuck's Matt Hughes? No way. So go and Google Matt Hughes' <laughs> fight. He was huge for the way. And he would just wreck guys from yeah. wrestling. they just go through them for a shock. Or then GSP is another favourite of mine. Um, you know, the list goes on, but they'd probably be my top three anyways. It's got, you know, I interviewed um, Frank Muir on the weekend and uh, he was talking about like all those like old school heads and mm. like it was just, it's just a different, or it seems like a different like caliber, a different time completely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So good. Brilliant. Um, final question before I let you go, because obviously Shoot. I know you're uh Stab. Well, you're starving. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, next time I'll have sandwiches, right? Yeah. Um, super, superstar slash MMA for a slash superstar I DJ. I was Jack cakes I was. <laughs> Not here, mate. Go on. Uh, pick a track, track of the week. Watch track our listeners oh. listen to. Uh, so I stumbled across. Can I tell you, do you know what song reminds me of you consistently? Every time I hear it, I'm like. Push, Space Cowboy? Yes. Everyone says that. It's the best <laughs> song in the world ever. You've been pumping it's, that. You've yeah, been promoting that song. Jamiroquai should actually be paying you some yeah. kind of like commission. It's it's, do you know what it is? It's a feel good song. It, <laughs> it brings me back to being on holidays with all the lads. I was about 19 years of age in the likes of a beat Canary. I think we've done Grand Canary. Um, and it was, just, it was just a mental time where yeah, you hadn't a care in the world of like my last say couple of calls that have been sort of business not business oriented but serious calls would have been 
mortgage advisor, uh, see how my pension plan is going <laughs> to um, fare out in a couple of years. You know, am I doing the right thing? Am yeah. I, you know, they're the calls I'm making these days. I did not think about <laughs> any of that when I was 16, 19, that type of years. Right? So it just, it takes me back to uh, just a, a dip in time. Yeah. And uh, that's why I like it so it's much. It's a bagger. But the, the track I'm feeling at the minute, I stumbled across this the other day, the original. It's, I'm so, like, the last couple of years I've been a DJ, a lot of disco, uh, disco in house and retro house and stuff like that. Uh, for, nobody seems to like it for whatever reason. I dig it. All of the young kids are fucking listening to that techno. I don't know. Uh, sorry go and listen to a <laughs> tune called it's by Robin Beck and it's called Sweet Talk it's the 12 inch disco funk mix it was made in 1979 so I'm stumbling, uh, stumbling across a lot of uh, retro disco tracks like that lately and you play them you can drop that in something like like a house mix or whatever like that and it won't bat nobody bats an eyelid and yeah. it just flows right in and it's a really good track so go check it out or you love a bit of house, or you love a bit of disco, a bit disco, of funk, man. don't it's, you? It yeah. is going funk. I just think. Uh, I take up the bass reds are in you when you when you retire. I'm not fucking time. Like, <laughs> hmm. Do you get many party requests? Do people be like the reds are? You wouldn't grab the decks there now and come down. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> 60th birthday yeah, and all. Stick an MP3 on your pox bottle, you know, just. <laughs> <laughs> I do my night in the, in the Cockle Bowl every week and then uh, this week I'm in uh, Club 22 up on South Ann Street so Daddy. I'm there this week if anyone wants to pop boy and don't ask me for a song because I will not play it yeah. uh, so you will be told no what's uh, the worst song that you get asked to play Beyonce single ladies uh, I guarantee you no it's like oh no it's not so they got this group or band or DJ 070 is the name of them don't know who they are bunch of shit houses. <laughs> they made this track called Honey and it is the worst track you will ever hear in your whole entire life. If, if you want to hear, if you want to have your ears bleed, go and listen to that track. <laughs> it is terrible. But I get, it's like the Kulak National Anthem and they ask me every week for it and like, May, I have deleted that off my laptop. I do not longer have that in the vicinity of this area. <laughs> so, either you get new tunes or don't ever request that song ever again. <laughs> And they look at me, I said, well, have a half a head. And, I'm saying, and they, they, they think I'm messing. And I'm like, oh, I'm not messing. I'm not playing that track. It's my elbow. It's the side of the head. Get out of here. I just, I don't <laughs> refuse. And they're like, you're a shy DJ. I'm like, oh, I do not care. I don't care. I don't care. I get paid right away. So please leave me alone. They're going to be queuing up now. You know, but if you want to get brain damage, go and listen to that track. They'll be all checking it out. <laughs> well, listen, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. I'll have a bit of crack. That was good. I was glad to get you on. Yep. Um, was it all right? Did you enjoy? Yeah, had a bit of crack. Yeah, it was good. It's good still stuff. is nice. I like it. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much. Look forward to uh, your announcement the next fight. We'll leave you off for a bit. Let yep. you get back to things. And then your next outing is BJJ Outliers. Uh, yeah, uh, Kieran Davern's uh, show. And I think it's on the 28th of March in Port Arlington. So it's Nogi Jiu-Jitsu, right? Nogi Jiu-Jitsu for the 77 uh, Outliers title. Lovely, brilliant. Yep. Well, thank you very much. Paul Redmond for The First Exchange. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.